You guys are trying to mess me up again with some of you sitting on the opposite side of where you've always sat. That's all there is to it. Tonight I'd like to kind of begin, take up, get started where we left off this morning. If you were here this morning, you will recall that we talked at length about how we are to let our light shine in the world, how we are to, through our example, through the fruit of the Spirit in our lives out of Galatians chapter 5, how we are to show this world that is so divided right now and so filled with antagonism, for lack of a better term, how we are to show them by the way that we treat one another that there's a better way to live. And it was based on the bulletin article, Pre-Enragement, written by Brother Brett Petrillo. Tonight I'd like to kind of go forward from Galatians chapter 5 that we discussed this morning and talk about the three bears. Tonight we're going to discuss the three bears. The three bears of Galatians 6. Did you know there was a story of the three bears in Galatians 6? There is indeed. In fact, apparently, I was looking on the internet this afternoon for a little bit of information and found out that there's different variations of sermons, apparently, that have been preached with this same title. Um, mine is not theirs, to be sure. But uh, it's, it's an easy way for us to remember, again, our, our Christian responsibilities to one another. Easy way to remember that, the three bears. And one writer wrote this about it early on. He said, far from a fairy tale, far from a fairy tale, the three bears listed in Galatians 6 are vital to our security in Christ and to our salvation. We need to spend more time thinking about the three bears and evaluate what our response has been in the past. And he says, allow me to introduce these bears to you. And again, we'll get to that in just a moment. But again, please, if you were here this morning, Think of this sermon as just a continuation of the same things that we were talking about this morning. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, we are introduced to our first bear. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Talked about that from the fruit of the Spirit this morning. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear number one is bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is written to brethren, those in the church. We see in verse one, and the original word here has to do with one who is crushed, one whose, whose weight, whose burden is crushing them. And it has to do, again, with a crushing weight, not that somebody willfully pre-purposed, it says if they are caught in it. In other words, they didn't plan for this to happen, but it caught them by surprise. And what this has to do with is temptation. They got caught by surprise. They got entangled again they were tempted and they fell. That's what the word trespass points to, anyone who is caught in a trespass. It's pointing to Christians who once again get caught up in what they came out of. Now remember, when this was originally written, Galatians chapter five and six, there was no Galatians five and six, there was simply the letter to the churches 
in the Galatian region. And so after he's talked about, it, it flowed in one continual path. After what he had talked about in verse 19 and following of chapter 5, right after the conclusion of verse 26 of chapter 5, the very next line was, brethren, if, if a man has taken any trespass. So it's easy to see that what he's saying here is, is if a person, if a brother in Christ, or a sister obviously, any of your brethren get under the weight of this crushing burden, they have been caught up in what they used to do. They have been caught up in a temptation. One of these temptations from Galatians 5, 19 and 20, whether it is, whether it is adultery or, or sorcery or hatred or contentions, outbursts of anger, any of those things, if they have got caught up in those, if, if once again they've fallen back into that, says that you who are spiritual need to go in a spirit of gentleness, restore them. You who are spiritual with a spirit of gentleness, what is that talking about? That's talking about Christians who are living the fruit of the spirit. As again, we talked about this morning in our relationships, you see, our relationships didn't just stop being what I talked about this morning. Paul continues here to go right on and to move right on to the next phase of this. And he says, you who are exhibiting the fruit of the spirit in your life, go to that brother or sister and, and help restore them. Because brethren, we know, we should know, speaking from a biblical standpoint alone, that just because a person repents, turns to God and is converted, cleansed of their sins by the blood of Christ, doesn't mean they're always going to automatically be able to just stay away from all that sin, right? I mean, it doesn't just automatically happen. A person who's always used foul language, who's always, who's always smoked, who's always had all these problems, the second they come out of that baptistry, they're going to be perfect in the eyes of God, but that don't mean that they might not slip back. I mean, if they're converted when they're 50 or 60 and they've lived a life of, of, of those sorts of things, it doesn't mean the moment they come out of that that they're going to be absolutely flawless, right? And he says, so some of them may get caught up, but you love one another and you help restore that one, we have all kinds of examples of this in the Bible. Consider with me a number of them, of the fact that just because a person is converted doesn't mean that they can't get caught up or taken off guard, caught in a trespass again. What about Jesus' parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13? You remember some of the seed fell on ground and it received it with joy, but when persecution arose because of the word, they fell away, or the cares of this world, they fell back into that which they previously were. Many examples of this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. You'll recall that Romans chapter 6 is written to Christians. Well, if Christians couldn't mess up, if Christians couldn't fall back into former sin, then Romans 6 probably wouldn't be in the Bible. Romans chapter 6, we'll begin with verse 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This is written to people who are already Christians. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And then he takes them back and he says, look, you died to sin when you were baptized. These are people like you and me. And, and he goes on from there in verses 5 and following to say, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The one who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, obviously in baptism, we believe we'll also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. We go down to verse 12, and look what he tells these Christians. Therefore, 
do not let sin reign in your mortal, board, mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. If, if Christians couldn't slip, if, if once they were converted, they couldn't get caught in a trespass, or maybe even despite their best efforts, maybe still make that mistake or two, this wouldn't be in here. But he's telling Christians, look, don't let sin reign in your body, and don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Don't, prevent, don't present your members as sin, meaning the, the little children's song, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little eyes what you see, remember that song? Right? That's what he's talking about. Don't let the members of your body, your eyes, your ears, don't let them be filled with sin, because apparently they could, and this would cause them to fall. We would notice from 2 Peter, if you turn there with me, the Apostle Peter is even clearer in 2 Peter chapter 2, that yeah, Christians, despite their best efforts, sometimes can fall into a trespass. They can get caught like in a trap. It's awfully hard to stop some of those sins just like that. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, Peter writes this, he says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. We would notice from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and I, I used this in a sermon just over the last few weeks, how they were carnal in Corinth. They were saying, well, my teacher's smarter than your teacher, and they were fighting and disputing in the church. They're slipping right back into carnality, back into worldliness. That's why James says what he does in James 5, 19 and 20. If you check that out with me, James, so important. James 5, 19 and 20. Goes right along with what Paul is saying in Galatians. James 5, 19 and 20. Brethren. Starts it out same way. Brethren. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You see, both James 5, 19 and 20, as well as Galatians 6, 1 and 2, with bear one another's burdens, is talking about helping that brother or sister who's caught up again, helping them with their burden, helping them all we can. You see, when a brother or sister falls and they're caught in some trespass, like, like an animal in a trap, they got baited and they just fell back into it and, and they didn't intend to. When that happens, one thing we must never do is say, well, you know what? I'd never do that. Now, you may not fall back into the same sin they did, but we should not become so arrogant that we say, I could never fall like that. Because Galatians 5.26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, let us not become conceited thinking, well, I'm better than that. I wouldn't have slipped. That, that was just dumb. I wouldn't do that. Galatians 6 and verse 3 explains along those very same lines. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If we think we're too strong to slip. If we think, well, if I was him or her, I never would have done that. 
We need to think again. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. We're all weak at some time. We all try with everything we've got to stay away from sin, but you know what? Sometimes we all need the love and the help and the restoration of our brothers and sisters. We need our brothers and sisters to gently come along and help us bear our burden so that we don't fall any longer. It would be like band members. If you've got a small band and they're following the band leader and one instrument falls out of step, what do the rest try to do? Pick them up and get them back on track, right? And we do the same thing. In love, we help them bear their burden. One of the authors in a sermon entitled The Three Bears said the burden bearing is present tense, which denoted continuous action, not a one-time act. In the context, the burden seems to relate to the sorrows, distresses, and frailties brought about by sin. When a brother sins, we must come to his aid. We must make clear our own weakness that, and that we understand the weakness in others. This is, this is so important. He goes on to say an illustration would be of a man who comes to Christ from a horrible moral background. Think about this. Just, just a horrible moral background. Some of it still clings to him. He wants to be like everybody else in the church who never struggles. Right? Because none of us ever struggle, right? We always say to each other, how are you today? Well, I'm fine. How are you today? I mean, our world could be falling apart. We could be in a total... Well, how are you today? Fine. Well, how are you today? Fine. Don't we do that? If you shake your head no, we need to talk. He said, again, he comes from a horrible moral background. Some of it still clings to him. He longs to be like those who don't struggle. To confess what he is personally ashamed of is hard enough. But to do so to those who would be embarrassed by him or those who wouldn't understand is too much. So he withdraws from the church and receives no help. Isn't that tragic? If he's got this horrible moral background and he's struggling with whatever it is and he's struggling hard and he's trying, he's giving it all he's got, but he's just, he just can't quite get there. If he doesn't dare to talk to anybody because everybody in the church is perfect and nobody else struggles with anything and we aren't transparent enough to let him know, number one, he would be so embarrassed to say it anyway, but if people wouldn't understand, most times we lose those folks. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 through 29? He listed all of his weaknesses, frailties, mostly his sufferings. Mostly his sufferings, but he says at the end of that, he said, who is weak? and I am not weak. Would Paul admit his weakness? Oh yeah. Did that draw people? Oh yeah, why? Because they were weak too. That brings us to the second of the three bears. Not just bear one another's burdens, but in verses four and five it says, let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear number two Bear his own load. Bear number two is bear his own load. Now, it may sound like a bit of a contradiction. It's not. We'll get to why in a moment. But think about bear number two. Bear number two, bear his own load, is all about personal responsibility. Two words you do not want to say in public today. Personal responsibility. If ever there was one quality, and this morning we talked about the world living in darkness and all of that, 
We talked about how everybody's just angry over everything. There's no personal responsibility. Everything is always somebody else's fault. If there's one quality that seems to be totally foreign to and completely missing in today's society, one that they desperately need to see exemplified in yours and my life, it is personal responsibility. I don't know how many times I've said this. I don't know how many more I will, but tonight is one of those occasions. One of the dumbest statements I ever heard in my life is, love is never having to say you're sorry. Love is being willing to say when you mess up, I'm sorry, that's on me. Husbands, you good with this with the wives? Wives, you good with this with your husbands? The best thing in the world that can happen, real, true love, is willing to take personal responsibility when I mess up and I say, that one, not just so that I'll get a response that's like favorable, but really, this one's on me. I, I am so sorry, and mean it with every fiber of our being. Isn't that what David did when he messed up with Bathsheba to God in Psalm 51? He poured his heart out and basically said, I am so sorry, I did this, this is on me. The world needs to see that. Bear his own load is true whether for good or for bad. And although it is listed here as a good thing, I want to look at the, some of the bad things it's also true in that we need to bear our own load when it comes to personal responsibility. As I said this morning, when I get mad, it's not because somebody made me mad. It's because I made the choice to be mad at somebody. Whatever, whenever somebody does something to us, I need to take personal responsibility. I choose to either be mad, be angry, not be mad, not be angry. I choose to love and forgive, or I choose to resent and react. I choose my response, don't I? Don't you choose your response when somebody does something to you for good or bad? We gotta stop saying, well, so-and-so made me, no, 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 so-and-so didn't make you anything. When I mess up and I get caught and have to face the consequences for my actions, it's not somebody else's fault. It's not somebody else's fault because they caught me. <laughs> it's not somebody else's fault who made the rule that I broke. I can't say, well, that's not a fair rule. I broke it. It's on me. I broke it. When a person chooses to forsake the assembly and leave the Lord and his people behind, it is not the Lord's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not another member's fault. The choice and the consequences sit squarely on the shoulders of the one who makes the choice to leave. Personal responsibility, we must examine our own work. And here's where it's not a contradiction of that first bear, but simply a further explanation of it. No matter how much somebody tries to help us bear our burden, bear number one, in the end, it is up to us what we do with their help. That makes sense? Think about that. It's not a contradiction of bear number one. We are to help each other, but if a brother or sister comes to me to help me bear this crushing burden that I'm struggling with, what I do with their help is up to me, and in that sense, I bear my own load. Is it possible to have somebody come to you to help you and you reject their help? Is that possible? Sure is. Absolutely is. How many times do we see this in the scriptures? 
Romans 14, 12 says that we will all ultimately give an answer for ourselves and what we did or did not do. We can't blame it on somebody else. We're going to have to bear our own load. How many times does this happen in the Bible? John chapter 6. Jesus teaching. A few of his disciples walk away. Let me ask you a question. If they had asked for further explanation of Jesus' teaching, they said it's a hard teaching. Who can understand it? And they walked away. Remember that in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 66? Would Jesus, if they had said, Lord, we need help understanding this. This doesn't make sense. Would he have helped them? Sure would have. Jesus would have helped them bear their burden. But they chose not to accept his help. Therefore, they have to bear their own burden and the consequences thereof. We see this many times. Turn to me in the Bible to Matthew 13. In Matthew chapter 13, once again, we see Jesus more than willing to help people bear their burden. But ultimately, it's going to rest on their shoulders what they do with that help. And in that sense, they will bear their own burden. Matthew chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Jesus was willing to help them bear their burden. But they chose to reject his help, and so they're going to have to bear that on their own. That's not Jesus' fault. We'd see that in Matthew 23, 37, when he said to Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you as a, chick, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Did Jesus stand ready to assist his churches in Revelation 2 and 3? Remember the seven churches? Did he stand ready to assist them? Absolutely. But although he was willing to help them bear their burdens, some of them rejected his help, and they would bear their own. I had a parent come to me once years ago, years ago. I tried to get this particular parent to have their teenage son go to Bible camp for a week. Tried and tried, went, turned around, came home, I think the first day, it doesn't matter, came home very, very soon thereafter. Tried and tried and tried to get this, this child into to services and the parents in, to be more faithful because they were scant if ever around for weeks and months on end. And then this mom comes to me in the office one day and she says, we're having trouble with my son. He's fallen in with the wrong crowd. Now, was I sorry? Absolutely. Yeah. Had we as the church been willing to help and were we still willing to? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But all of that trying to get the whole family more involved in church and coming and, and getting their, their son in the youth group and, and involved and, and at camp and at all of these things and, and all these times we tried to help and, and tried to help them bear that burden of raising that boy who had some issues. Where it was rejected, they had to bear their own burden and it was heartbreaking. Sometimes we'll have a single a married single come to Christ and the, the other spouse will not come and 
that's a tough road to hoe, you know what? Some of us who are married and come and our spouses come and our whole family comes, can't imagine what it'd be like so difficult to get up on a Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, and make the trek into church and leave our spouse at home because they want nothing to do with church. That, that's tough. That, that's got to be tough. I thank God I'm not in that position, but that's got to be tough. And we need to help them, those people bear that burden. Unfortunately, sometimes when a person is we're going back to the sin thing now. When a person is often tempted to go back into some of those sins of the flesh that they were previously involved with, they've been a Christian for a few years, but that tug and that pull is so hard, and they fall. And we try to do what we're supposed to do. We go help them. We try to help them. We try to help them bear their load. Unfortunately, that sort of seeking to help others bear their burdens can often lead us to the truly grisly bear's den of the third bear. And that third bear in Galatians 6 is in verse 17. Galatians 6 is bear number 3. Galatians 6, 17, from now on let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. Paul bore in his body the physical marks. His serving Jesus, his trying to help people get out of sin, his, his trying to help others to, to come up out of that mire of, of sin by being converted to Christ, and his preaching the truth to him and, and his trying to help them bear their burdens by preaching the truth and how to stay away from those sins and all that, that caused Paul at times to have literal marks in his body. Was Paul not stoned? He was stoned and left for dead. Listen, if your enemies stone you so bad, if they chase you around, they're pretty serious, number one. Number two, if they not only chase you around, but they stone you so bad that they think you're dead because they're trying to kill you, you're pretty banged up, right? My guess, I can't prove this from the scriptures, but my guess is that probably Paul had marks on his body that he bore for preaching the truth until the day he died from that stoning. Does he not tell you that he's been whipped, scourged, all those things? Those leave marks that don't always heal up. Paul said, I, I bear in my body, bear number three, the marks of Jesus. Sometimes when you only seek to do the right thing, reach out in love and help another bear their burden. Sometimes you have to challenge people. You have to challenge them to grow because you don't want them to keep falling back into that sin. You know, if you don't want your child to go play in traffic, sometimes you have to build a fence, right? Makes sense? Well, sometimes when you're trying to help that brother or sister bear that burden so they don't fall back into sin, sometimes you have to construct parameters with the word of God. You have to help build this fence. You have to help build this understanding and say, no, then this will help you and all that. But sometimes, They'll turn on you. And like a mother grizzly, they will seek to rip you apart. Don't believe it? Did Jesus come to help people bear their burdens? Did he? What did they do to him? They crucified him. Did Jesus do anything deserving of that? Nope. All he came to do was love and help people, and they nailed him to a cross. If you don't believe that sometimes when you seek to help people bear their burdens, 
that they are going to turn and leave marks on you and persecute you for so doing it because you're meddling, you need to look at Jesus. Not only do you need to look at Jesus, but Paul, as we mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 30, that very vulnerability and transparency we talked about earlier. And today, it's not physical like that. Nobody's going to take us out and stone us or beat us up. If I, I won't even mention names, but if I get involved trying to help brother so-and-so and, and try to help him bear his burden and he's falling into sin and I try to work with him and at some point he gets to the point where he just doesn't want to be restored and all of a sudden I'm the enemy instead of the sin and he comes at me, he's not going to beat me up with a club today, okay? It's, we're not going to have the physical marks, but we, at the same time, can have scars on our hearts, on our minds, on our psyche, on our souls. When that brother or sister turns on us for doing nothing more than trying to help them. You know, some brethren bite. According to Paul. According to Paul. That's what he said in Galatians 5.15. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You know right here in Galatians as well, Paul bore some marks on his body. Turn to me to Galatians 4. Only these weren't necessarily marks on his body in a physical sense. But it sounds like to me Paul had scars on his heart because he had reached out trying to help them bear their burdens and he had tried to teach them the truth and, and, and bring them to this point where the truth would strengthen them to the point that they could bear their burden on their own. And, and he had tried to do that. And you know what? He had scars on his heart because of that. Look at Galatians 4, beginning at verse 13. He says, You know that because of physical infirmity I preached the gospel to you at the first. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He said, when I first came to you and I preached to you, even the struggles I had didn't bother you. You received me like you would of Christ. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Now, some believe this Paul here is writing because he had bad eyesight. Personally, opinion, that's all it is. I believe that's what he's talking about. He's, when he says, you would have plucked out your eyes for me, remember two things. Number one, remember Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus? Damascus is a desert region. It was about noontime. Noontime in a desert region doesn't get much brighter than that, does it? However, noontime in that desert region, he said there was a light that was brighter than the noonday sun. That'll burn your retinas out. Personally, that's just my opinion. Paul had bad eyesight because of that. But whatever the reason, your opinion's as valuable as mine is on this, doesn't say exactly. But he says, you, you, you loved me so much you'd have plucked out your eyes for me when I first came, he says. You, you received me like an angel of God. You'd have pulled them out, your own eyes, and given them to me because I was struggling with my, my thorn in the flesh. But things have changed. You want to see scars on his heart? Look what he says. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You can sense the heartbreak. You love me? You want, you, you, you just, everything was great. You, you'd have done whatever. And the only difference is now I've told you the truth. Have I become your enemy for helping you, trying to help you bear your burden and strengthen you spiritually? 
Have you ever been bit by an animal so much that you would not seek to help that animal again? As Christians, even if we are bitten by bear number three, we can't do that. We can't quit. Even if we've been bitten, we can't. What if Jesus had quit the first time that they bit him? First time they abused Jesus, he said, that's it, I'm out of here. We can't do that either. Brethren, we have to bear on our bodies, our hearts, the marks of Jesus. We have to keep on keeping on, trying to help others bear their burdens, no matter what it costs us, always. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3? Turn over there. Final text of the evening, 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3, verse 12 and following. He said this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But he says in verse 14, You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He would go on in chapter 4 to therefore charge them Charge Timothy to keep on preaching no matter what, to keep on teaching no matter what. And yet, before that, he's talked in verses 10 and 11 about all the persecutions and all those bite marks, if I can put it that way, all of those bearing the marks of Jesus on his body, the persecution, the perseverance, but he said, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to keep on serving the Lord. our ministry brethren and we dare not decide to reject it is to acquaint ourselves well with the three bears of Galatians 6 those of us who are truly spiritual need to continue to bear one another's burdens to help that brother or sister who's struggling struggling with an overwhelming crushing weight sin temptation whatever it may be Number two, we need to bear our own burdens. We need to understand that we are responsible for what we do with our own burdens and even when somebody tries to help us, what we do with their help. And then number three, we must never be ashamed, no matter how many scars we have, no matter how many marks we bear for the Lord Jesus. We must always, always continue to never be ashamed to bear in our bodies the marks of Christ because we tried to bear someone else's burdens. That's what makes us different, isn't it? Isn't that what makes us different? Out in the world, people clash, become enemies, give up on each other. That's not the way to joy, and that's not the way to peace, and that's not the way to heaven. Sometimes in the church, we clash. Okay. But we love one another, and we forgive one another, and we're gentle with one another. That's what makes us different, and the world so needs to see that right now. It is this light, the light we have discussed in both of today's lessons, which the world needs to see, constantly reflected to them through us from Christ. That's what it means to let our light shine. Tonight, if you are not a member of the Lord's Church and will be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, or if you, again, need the prayers of the church, to let your light shine brighter, maybe you're struggling with something, maybe you've got a burden that you need some help bearing, there's a lot of brothers and sisters here who would 
love to help you bear it. Amen, church? That's what we're here for. And we can't help you if we don't know what the issue is. We're not mind readers. Some things we can do. Psychic ain't one of them, okay? We'd love to help you bear your burden. We'd love to shine that light of Christ and show the world what relationships are supposed to look like. If we can help you, either to become a child of God or to become a better, strengthened child of God, anything we can do right now, please let us know while we stand and sing.